As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? Andrew, we, we so rarely get a Tuesday game. Yeah. We're usually talking about a Monday game it's on true. a Wednesday. It's true. And this week, we've just been blessed with not just a Tuesday game, but a, a memorable. Mem- this is one... This is this for me. This is the the yin to the yang that was the seventy three point loss. This yeah. is like the flip side of that for this season, because uh, putting up one hundred and fifty on the Celtics. And listen, we've seen crazy stuff happen. There, you know, the NBA is more competitive than ever. You'll see a team like Houston or Detroit have a random win, and yeah, you could just chalk this to another one of those. But when it's one hundred and fifty points, <laughs> is it? That's special, Andrew. That was special. <laughs> the Thunder have never scored 150 points in a game. Never. Yeah, it, in terms of like history. So 150 was their franchise record. And the previous high was in a double overtime game. Yeah. Which was 149. 149 in, in double OT. In double OT. And the Thunder uh, do it in regulation against... You could call the... I mean, some people think they're the best team in the NBA. Sure, you can call it that. Uh, we will for our purposes. Yeah. Yes, it was against the best team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, they scored seventy points in the paint, or no, seventy-four points in the paint, which was the most against the Celtics this season. Uh, the hundred and fifty against the Celtics is the second most scored against the Celtics all time. Yeah. A team that has existed since nineteen forty-six. That is the second most points ever scored against that franchise. The last time somebody scored one hundred and fifty on the Celtics was 1979. What? Yeah. 
Andrew, it's before we were born. It's bef- way before we were born. Before we were even thought of. Before we were even thought of. Yeah. Uh, they scored 48 in the third. That was a season high for a quarter. Yeah. That was wild. And that was, that was probably the most impressive part of the game because you have that first half, which is amazing, but we've seen teams have these like crazy shoot. I mean, it's happened to the Thunder where a team has gone on just an insane shooting streak in the yep. first half. And then they come back down to earth, mm-hmm. and so you wondered if that was you. Yeah, even one kind of expected Boston to make a significant run, and it just never happened because of that third quarter. Yeah, uh, they were unconscious. There, there was one more stat that uh, that I looked up, but I can't remember what it is. But it was oh, it was the uh, five guys, five guys five scoring guys. twenty points each, which has only happened 18 times in NBA history. And the last time it happened was actually the CP3 team with like Dennis Schroeder and Gallo. Yeah, that one makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. Gallo was at the game last night. And I was sitting like right across from him. I took my kids to the game last night and a couple of their buddies. And we're sitting right across from the Celtics bench. And Gallo's just sitting there in this giant suit with his knees just like up to like his mid chest, like the way he was sitting, it just looked hilarious. I had to take a picture and send it to you guys because it just looked, yeah. he just, it just looked really funny. It looks so uncomfortable, <laughs> incredibly uncomfortable. It's like he just tore his ACL and he's sitting like that. Poor he looked guy. Like, uh, if, if everyone's seen the movie Coraline, uh, Coraline's dad in that movie is just like this super tall, skinny guy. And it, it just imagine cramping that guy into like an airplane seat. That's what that's what poor Gallo looked like. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the Thunder third quarter was ridiculous. They were 19 to 28 from the field. That's 67.9%. They were at 8 of 11 from three. And Josh Giddy was like the story. In nine minutes... He scored 17 points, two boards, three assists, and a steal. Three of four from three on his own in that quarter. And that's and we talk about like the 20 point quarters from Trey Mann. I don't I don't know that even anybody's mentioned the 17 point quarter from Josh Giddy, which he was he was on one last night. He was incredible yesterday. Yeah, he was very aggressive getting to the rim. And even when he wasn't converting on those drives, he was, or the defenders were bouncing off of him mm-hmm. because he was so much stronger than them. And then he was taking, like, he had that, uh, that like face up jumper, mid range jumper again against uh, Al Horford, which yeah. I haven't really seen him take a lot of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just getting to the rim, I mean, the whole team last night. And part of that was Time Lord was out. So they didn't sure. have their best rim protector. And also, they talked about how when they heard that SGA was out, that it was like, that oh, They okay. relaxed and, and took a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and that's a nice compliment in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, to Shea it is. To the other guys, it's like, we don't know who the rest of these guys are. <laughs> yeah. But even that said, like, yes, there were definitely plays where Boston just, like, was not playing defense. Probably the best example was when they let J-Dub just, like, get a rebound and go coast to coast. Oh, a la yeah. the Russ mask dunk yeah. from years back. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, they weren't playing defense on that. But a lot of these like one-on-one situations were impressive by the Thunder. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they weren't getting the help 
defense that they typically would get for the Celtics. But in terms of just like one-on matchup, the one that stuck out to me for J-Dub was when he went against Jalen Brown and he went behind his back to get around him mm-hmm. and then met him at the rim, got the bucket and the N1. Yep. It was, I thought those were really, there was some really impressive one-on-one play, even acknowledging the fact that, yeah, Boston probably wasn't playing up to their like full standard. They weren't playing this like it was a playoff game. No, I mean, the Thunder played with force from the jump. They were so good. I was impressed with so many guys last night with the way they played. Isaiah Joe. Did you know Isaiah Joe could dunk like that? I knew I was I was even shocked. So he like tried to dunk before yes, he, he actually one. connected with it. And you were like, holy smokes. Like, how did he do that? And then he actually converted one later on in the second half. And he even kind of laid on the ground like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> It was unbelievable. It's wild to think. Like, the Thunder have a surprisingly good roster of in-game dunkers. Like, like shocking in-game dunkers. Yeah, I mean, like, Trey Mann, like, Trey had one in-game dunker. Oh, my gosh. When Trey picked Sam Hauser's pocket, which was awesome, he said something after the game about how, like, he didn't want the ball. And so he went and took it from him. And then dunked it in transition. It was just like, gosh, like that was great. But continue, continue your list. Uh, Shea, obviously. I mean, especially this season, the two-handed like they they just have some juice to them. Like they they have a lot more juice than just like the. And Poku does this where he'll just kind of just like place it in the basket with his hands above <laughs> yes. the rim. You know, I feel like Shea's Not done a great that a lot. Dunk. No, they got some juice. You know, Shea's got some juice behind his dunks now. Especially because the rest of Shea's game is, is you know, so smooth and everything. And so you're yeah. always expecting him to do some, like, tricky layup. Yeah. And then when he just rises up. Wiggins, Wiggs. I think, is a really strong in-game dunker. He's not bad. Yeah. And then we obviously haven't mentioned J-Dub, who had, like, <laughs> I felt like he had 10 dunks last night. Yeah. I was looking at his shot chart. He made one shot out of the restricted area. Yeah. Not, not just the paint, the restricted area. Like, he was getting to the rim at will. And so many of his attempts were just they, – they weren't – yes, he had some, like, open transition play attempts. But a lot of them were just they were really good cuts or really – he had some awesome two-man game with uh, J-Will. Yeah. He had a couple plays with him that I thought were great. One, like, lefty high off the glass that was like, oh, gosh. I don't know how he converted that one. Yeah. Uh, the first J-Will assist – that was just a beautiful play. I was I was rewatching it, and you know, Jay Will at the high post, which when you you have him there, he seems very comfortable. Yeah, seems very. He he looked more comfortable in this game than he has looked up to this point. Yes, yes. When he can operate at the high post as a passer, he looks pretty comfortable. When guys are moving around him, and that's what was happening yes. all night. It was like the offense was just churning all night. It was, and it it's so. You know, to think back, because that was one of the main criticisms of just like this franchise for the previous decade is like, oh my gosh, when are we going to add movement to the offense? We would always complain about that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it didn't really matter because you had KD and Russ. So it's like, who cares? Right. But that play with J. Will, like, there's a wave of cutters. It's like Dort's cutting first, then J. Dub's behind him. Meanwhile, Isaiah Joe is like 
tracing the arc coming from the corner yep. and grant williams is so scared of isaiah joe <laughs> that he like goes out to try to guard him leaving j-dub open for Jay will it was just a like very beautiful play yeah and Jay will and then there was that play with Jay will and j-dub where it was a little bit closer to the basket and he just gave him a handoff as he ran around him mm-hmm. um yeah th- that was some beautiful basketball especially compared to the last two games they had more they had the same number of assists assists as they had in the last games combined they had 31 last night after having 16 and 15 against the hornets and sixers it was just everything was working it didn't it didn't look like the same team honestly when i heard that shea was out i was i was just looking at looking at at these kids having those like boys might be a rough one tonight (laughs) you know yeah you would expected the flip of that final score yeah, like that would have made sense to me. Yeah, and then I mean, it was just it just felt like the Memphis game. I went and talked to Joe Masato before the game, and one because in all of the uh, programs and even like advertisements around the arena, it says if you don't know Joe, you don't know the Thunder. And yeah. so uh, my kids were flipping through, and they thought that was funny. They're like, "We don't know Joe. We don't know the Thunder." And so we went by, and I was like, "You guys got to meet Joe so that you can know everything about the Thunder." And so we went and talked to Joe and we were just like joking around about like Wiggins is starting, you know, like this is really putting it to the test. If yeah. the Thunder can continue to win with Aaron Wiggins as a starter, 7-0 and with Aaron Wiggins as a starter. And he, Wiggs was asked about it after the game and he just kind of laughed it off and like didn't really even know what to say, basically. I was like pretty humble about it. Um, but it's just... It's just a weird one. It, it was just like the Memphis game where you thought, okay, like the Thunder are going to get pummeled in this one. Like this is going to be an embarrassment, you know, and they win the game. And this was even that to like the nth degree. I mean, they, they were up by 37 against the Celtics team, which is a season high for the Thunder as far as a lead goes. Yeah, they're up by 37 and they just, there was never barely even a hint of a comeback. No. Like, it felt like every single time Boston would make like two baskets in a row, OKC would always answer. Yeah, yeah, they'd always answer without with fail a, with a three. I mean, they hit twenty threes last night. Yeah, they were fifty percent from three. Yeah, yeah, that was it was insane. Twenty four from three, and then scoring seventy four points in the paint. <laughs> That's how you get up to one fifty. Because they because they shot sixty four percent from the line. Yeah, and do well there. They could have potentially set the record. So the record against the Celtics is one sixty four. Yeah, the high for this season of any team was one fifty three. So they were close to that as well. I mean, that's just it's it's crazy that they were able to accomplish this. They actually missed both of their technical free throws from Marcus Smart throwing a hissy fit. I know. Does that mean they should have brought him back? I mean, if ball don't, if ball don't lie, then if we miss both, then he should be allowed to come back into play. <laughs> that would be a hilarious rule. If <laughs> if if both your technical free throws are missed, it has to be both. But if they're both missed, then you get to stay in the game. I like actually I like that a lot. What uh did you since you were sitting kind of close? Did you see what happened with Marcus Smart? Because it his initial tech, I I didn't understand why he got the second tech. Obviously, he like erupted after that. But I didn't really see why he he's got just the running, one. he's just running his mouth, just telling yeah. the officials how terrible they are, and like mm-hmm. they're not they're mm-hmm. not going to stand for that. He was he was peeved. He was yeah. miffed. 
He was he was miffed off at at the officials. And you he, always wonder if the hold back hold me back guy isn't there, which in this case was the <laughs> Celtics coach Joe Mazzula. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would he really have done? Like, he he was he was really <laughs> trying to get to that ref. He really was. I'm can, there's no way he does anything. But that's what I think too. Knowing, but that you got to have there, a hold me back guy. Yeah, when you got the hold me back guy, it's like all right. Let's go. Let's act like something's really going to go down. Yeah. Um, so Isaiah Joe, you mentioned him. He had 21 points, 17 in the first half. Yeah. Uh, these, these, uh, like the field goal percentages are just insane. He shot eight for 13. Trey Mann, eight for 11. Giddy, 10 for 15. Um, <laughs> it was great. And he was, he was making some threes. He was, you mentioned the dunks. But also, just like he's a, he's just a good basketball player. He he had yeah. a, it was very simple, it was very basic. But he got the ball uh, outside the three point line, and I think it was Jason Tatum was closing out on him, and he attacked the closeout, got almost all the way to the rim, and then kicked it out to I think it was Kenrich, a wide open Kenrich in the corner. Yep. And I don't even know if Kenrich made it, but it was just like one of those things that we did seen, make it. I'm had, pretty sure I remember the play. Did he? Yeah. We have we've seen players in the Joe mold in terms of like that type of role player who just didn't, wouldn't have been able to do that, even though it feels like a very simple play, just attacking a closeout, making the obvious kick out pass to mm-hmm. the guy who's wide open in the corner. And the fact that Joe can do that. And now you, and now you add on that he's a dunker as well, Andrew. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a very versatile ninth man or whatever he ends up being on this team. Yeah, and he's and he's only twenty three. It's not like yeah. he's twenty seven or something. Like still trying to make it in the league. Like he's still a pretty young prospect in the league. Um, like Lou Dort's older than him. Wiggins is older than him. Lindy's like two years older than him. So is Eugene. So like he's he's still developing. He's averaging one assist per game too in his thirty games. So that's not nothing. I don't know if he makes it when it comes down to like the roster. I was talking to Joe Masato about this last night too. Like there's like a and I talked about this on Monday on the Athletic Live Room pod, where there's like a real chance that they just cut ties with Darius Baisley, either that's through trade or they just let it exp- his contract expire and then sign their first round pick and like this is the team. And that's the team, yeah. That's kind of what I'm anticipating. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised. I mean, they could make some moves around the fringes. Like, they could let Eugene or Lindy go and, like, do something with their two-way spots. They may do something with Isaiah Joe, but he's so cheap that it's like, why like, why not? You know? Like, why not keep him around? And then, because what I think would be cool is to just have this roster, add Chet, add your first-round pick, and just like roll the ball out and just say, all right, we're competing for roster spots this year. You know? And also at that point, and, and, and it's all, we're almost there already, but as that game was going on, I started to think to myself, like as it got away, who is going to be our garbage time lineup? Like who, who would you, who, like back in the day, remember Dakari Johnson? We would always, he was yeah. like our, our victory cigar. When Dakari's in, that means that we killed the other team. Our victory cigar. Yeah. And Dakari's getting some minutes at the end. 
in this game, it was like, well, I guess we'll put J. Will back in, and uh, I guess we'll throw Bays back in. It was like that was the garbage time lineup. And so if you come back next year, it who would it like? The team feels so much deeper than yeah. not just it was in the last two seasons, but even of like Thunder teams of the past. And obviously not as talented as those teams, mm-hmm. but the level of depth where every single guy that comes in, you have some level of faith in, or at least like some buy-in with, yeah, w- where you feel like they're part of this project mm-hmm. for a for a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd like for them to to keep this group. Get Baisley out, get the first round pick in. And obviously not everyone that's on this roster, even adding the first round pick, is gonna make it because they're gonna have additional picks coming in the next year. Yeah. And guys are gonna have contracts that, that come up and you can't sign everybody. Not everybody can play. There will be guys on this roster that need opportunity somewhere else and that need to go somewhere where they actually can play. And like that's gonna happen. Like good players, you know. At up to now, it's like Teo Maladone and Ty Jerome and Vic Krejci and you know Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown and like you're not like you don't have a a pit in the middle of your stomach just like about like oh I can't believe we let that guy go. It's like all right, cool. Just let let all those guys go. Like that's totally fine. If like Aaron Wiggins went somewhere else and was like really like started for somebody like yeah. if he was like the blazers like starting two or something and you're like oh my gosh like i can't believe we let aaron wiggins go or like isaiah joe goes somewhere and he's just like this six-man bomber off the bench like oh like you can you know there's got there's going to be like players that will have to leave this team in the next few years that are going to make you feel a little bit more sick than like anybody else so far, just because they're going to be bringing in first round talent. Like if that Houston pick conveys and it's like the seventh pick, we got to f- find room for him, whoever it is. You got to find room for that guy. So, yeah, and well, not only that. So they have their own. <coughs> they will probably have Houston's. They're going to have the Clippers. Yeah. And yeah, at this point, they probably will have the Jazzes because the Jazzes is only the Jazzes. The Jazzes. The Jazzes uh, <laughs> is only protected one through 10. Yeah. So if, if they're a decent team again, like they are this year, they might get that pick as well. That'd be four first rounders. That yeah. Would, that feels like consolidation. Yeah. You, uh, I think, time. yeah. You'd, I, you'd think that you'd want to consolidate even just to move up like a couple spots just... or, to, or to move to future. Yeah, or kick the can down the road for essentially for trade. Yeah. Yeah, that jazz pick is becoming more and more interesting. Um, It just depends on what they do with the roster. But if they kind of hold tight and pick and just are counting on these, I mean, you're feeling pretty good about Timberwolves picks down the road. (laughs) You know, did you uh, did you watch the end of that jazz game? I've seen the shot. I didn't actually watch the game, but I've seen the shot. Oh man, it was it was awesome ending just because they there was like zero defense, and so that they were making every single shot uh, leading up to that final one. If you didn't watch it, Larry Markinen, they did like a baseball pass length of the court. He took a three with point four seconds left, and yeah. it was a split second late, and made it 
and the crowd erupted. Like they got the full experience of him hitting a game winner. Yeah. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, they're like, uh, no, that no, was, no, that's not good. Did they've you... lost five games in a row, but they've all been by five points or less. Yeah. I mean, they, they're still like crazy competitive. Like it feels like you look at the record and you're like, oh my gosh, they're on a slide. Here they come. Like they're, they're going to tank now. It's like, not really. Like they're, competitive every night did you did you hear domas after the game what he yeah. said he's <laughs> like he's like well he's like i didn't think that he had time to get the shot off but then it went down and you know like we're the kings so <laughs> just that he's saying we're the kings so you know we're probably gonna lose <laughs> it's just <laughs> hilarious so so good um uh Man, that that game. I wonder how much that affected their point differential. I don't remember what it was yesterday, but it is now only minus point seven, which is better than the Timberwolves. Wow, who is the only team ahead of them before they get to playing range? God, better cool. than the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are like so uninspiring, man. Um, that, that game against the the Warriors that they lost the other night. That was a, a wild, yeah, that was one. awesome game. Wild, wild one. Yeah, the Thunder currently sit in offense and defense. Offense still not great, 22nd in the league, 111.3. Uh, defense, defense, they're at 11th, at a 112.0, yeah, 0. 0.7 net Which rating. Which is basically right where they were last season before everything, you know, yeah. turned. Yeah, they are 22nd in net rating, negative point. Point seven, <clears throat> tied with the Washington Wizards, and ahead of like the Lakers, Hawks, Bulls, Magic, Houston, Charlotte, Detroit, and then the Spurs are minus nine net rating. So once again, this season continues to just be. I mean, I feel like it's 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 week to week with this pod, yeah. where you could have a pod after every single game and you would feel completely different. I mean, I, I've officially given up. I mean, now that I kind of know how the season is going, like I fully expect them to lose to Orlando tonight mm -hmm. because that would make sense in my head now because it's, Oh, you're coming off this awesome game against Boston. Oh, look, Franz Wagner's going to be out. Maybe they start a, start a winning streak. So maybe it would make sense for them to lose although it is a back-to-back -back and it's a tough back-to-back -back because they had to fly from OKC. I don't know. I don't know ever anything about this team. Andrew. Yeah. Predictions uh, seem, seem pretty tough these days. What did, what did Presty say? Bur something about burning your assumptions. And you did something with your predictions. I need to look it up. It was really funny. Though. Somebody in the chat will tell us. Yeah, let us know in the chat. Uh, did you see this? This came from NBA Communications that Orlando Magic Center Mo Wagner will be serving his second, his two game suspension for his role in the tw December 28th on court altercation when the Magic hosts the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight in the Amway Center. Wagner, so no Wagner. Wagner will serve his second game of his suspension tomorrow night in the Magic's home game against the Memphis Grizzlies. He was initially scheduled to serve the first game of his suspension December 30th against the Wizards. However, NBA rules require that a player must be physically able to play 
in order to serve a league suspension. But Wagner was sick. And so <clears throat> I just, I mean, I, I guess uh, good job with integrity. Uh, save your predictions, burn your assumptions. Thank you, Mitchell, in the chat is the quote. Um, I guess it's... I never it's, realized that was a Pearl Jam lyric. <clears throat> huh? That's Pearl Jam lyric. That is? Yeah, I just Googled it, and it's Pearl Jam. Dance of the Clairvoyance, Mach 1 is the name of the song. What album is that from? Uh, great question. How did I not know this? How did I have not heard anybody say this. Yeah, so save your predictions and burn your assumptions. Love is friction, right? Comfort. Do you want me to read the entire song? Please. <laughs> huh. I. This is the first I've heard of this. I mean, it makes sense. He was at, He's a Pearl Jam guy. I mean, he was at the. Pearl is he Jam. okay? I, I didn't. I didn't know that. He was at the Pearl Jam concert here in OKC, and like got a shout out from Eddie Vedder on stage. Really? Over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. And like he got to like hang out with them, I guess. Too. So that's a wow. I thought that was a Presty original, but it comes from like a What if what if it turns out everything he said is actually just a song lyric and we just haven't been googling them? <laughs> I've got to google his entire pressers now. Just <laughs> yeah. like word by word is this an Eddie Vedder lyric? <laughs> Unbelievable! No, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's and it's cracked the case wide open. This is a just, it comes from like a deep cut Pearl Jam song. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, no Wagner's. Not one Wagner will play tonight in Orlando. But I, I need to look at the injury report because. They keep acting like Jonathan Isaac is going to play, um, which would just feel weird. It would just feel strange to see Jonathan Isaac playing basketball again. This is so weird. So that Pearl Jam song, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> keep it it up. was a 2020 Pearl Jam song. Wow. It was the lead single from their 11th studio album. Wow. So that was very topical when he said it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, so here's the injury report for tonight. Bull Bull out in health and safety protocols. That's a bummer. Um, Kavon Harris is out, suspended. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is out, still recovering from his knee injury 15 years later. Chuma Okeke out with the left, mm. left knee surgery. Admiral Schofield out, suspended. Jalen Suggs out, right ankle soreness, and the Wagner's out, suspended. So, and probably Shea. Did you say? I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if Shea traveled with the team. They had to leave like right after the yeah, game, maybe. basically. I would assume, but I have to save those. Do I have to burn uh, those to or burn save? Those. I have to burn those. You have to burn those. Um, I'm going to hold my prediction. I'm going to burn my assumption on that. I don't know. I would I would guess. So the what happened yesterday is that Shea didn't feel well, 
leading up to the game, tried to give it a go at, you know, maybe like four o'clock or something like that, and just started feeling worse and worse. And so went home. Mm. And I don't even think he was at the arena at all. So I wonder if he has the same thing that like Giddy and I think Bays had as well. It's possible. And if so, then it might be a few games. He definitely will not play tonight. I would just, even though I should burn this assumption, I would assume that he's not going to play. So, um, but it'll still be interesting. Paulo Bancaro against. J-Dub, rookie, rookie uh, battle. J-Dub. Rookie battle. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk rookie rankings. We'll talk maybe maybe some Andre Robertson talk. Who knows? We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back after that quick break. Um, Andre Robertson is practicing with the blue which is interesting. I guess he has been practicing with the blue for about a month now. Yeah. And it's not like he's practicing with the blue so that he can be on the blue. He's just kind of playing with them. You know, I think helping out almost. So, uh, you think he might be in like their next coach pipeline? I mean, you, you see like guys like Eric Maynard out there. And I think it is meaningful to the team to have guys that have been through like the Thunder program to, to join, you know? So I don't know. I have no clue on that. Um, I should save that prediction. He, uh, now that would have been a fun garbage time lineup. If all of a sudden they bring out Dre last night, (laughs) the crowd would have gone crazy. He was at the game, so yeah, I know. He, he, I feel like he's been in a lot of games recently. Yeah, he has been at several. I, um, I don't know what's like the end game here for Andre, but he's been with the been with the team for a little while, and 
you know, his playing career is over. And so you wonder if he sees DJ White over there and is like, hey, why can't I be DJ White for the Thunder and help help these guys out a little bit? Because he, I mean, you remember, he was on the team during Dort's rookie season, and you could yeah. always see him kind of coaching Dort up on like how, like especially during that Houston series. Like I just have like vivid memories of him like talking to Dort, like telling him like little things here and there. So um, Trey is very well liked and respected. And if he wants to coach and there's room on the coaching staff, which there's tons of coaches, I, we were we were standing there trying to get autographs with my with my kids and his friends, and like it was coaches and players running in and out of the tunnel, uh-huh. and like over and over again they'd be like, "Who's that? Who's that?" I'd be like, "Oh, that's an assistant coach. That's an assistant coach." And it's like, "Oh my gosh, there are tons of assistant coaches for the fuck." <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It could just Dre could just be bored and wanting to just hang out in OKC and like have something to do. I don't know. Were your Were your kids successful? Did you get any? They got Mike Muscala. Oh. So the goal was to get Shea because Shea is like stay, standing or staying and signing almost everybody's stuff before the games. Oh, really? And so it was kind of a bummer to hear that he wasn't going to play. So uh, Darius Baisley gave everybody but one person the cold shoulder, which was just weird. It must have been somebody. So he, one one kid got a autograph? It had to have been someone he knew because he went over and signed someone's basketball and then like didn't even high five anybody just like ran through um and then like dort ran through and like high fived everybody and then kenrich had his daughter and his wife with him and so he just kind of like high five people and walked through and then mike stopped and signed for everybody so um all of a sudden asked mike if he was going to hit a shot at the end of the second quarter <laughs> Mike just started laughing. He's like, I hope so. I don't know. He's like, do you think I will? That's <laughs> funny. Um, so Sam Vecini put out a rookie rankings. Have you read this yet, Al? No, did it just release? Yeah, this morning. Oh, my. On theathletic.com. You can go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. And you can read this article. You'll be feeling pretty good reading this article. Uh, and, seeing, wow. and seeing these rookie rankings, um, wow, it's it's impressive. He's he's third overall in the rookie rankings, just behind uh, Paolo and Ben Matherin. So, what do you what do you think about that? What's your initial thought since you're just hearing about this? Um, I mean, it sounds really high, but then you look at the names below him. And you're like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, who would I... I mean, I'm trying to be objective as a, as a Thunder fan. But, like, A.J. Griffin, okay, he's had a nice season. Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, Walker Kessler, Andrew Nemhard, Dyson Daniels. Like, who who has obviously had a better season than J-Dub? I don't think any of those guys have obviously had a better season. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, you look at... So, Keegan Murray won Rookie of the Month for December. Yeah, and if you look at the stats between J Dub, Keegan Murray, and Jaden Ivy, and Ivy's obviously in the Eastern Conference, but just looking at those three, and also oh, Jabari Smith too. 
Like their stats were all like very, very, very similar. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of it felt like a toss up. Like, okay, they could choose any one of those three, whether it be J Dub, Keegan Murray, or Jabari Smith, and you'd be like, Okay, like I get it. You know, it's it's fine. Um J Dub is like way more efficient than both those guys. Um, oh my gosh. J J Dub's shooting I think seventy two percent at the rim now. Mm-hmm. Which uh, to put that in perspective, that's 20 percentage points higher than Lou Dort. <laughs> 20 percentage points higher. That's awesome. 72%. In fact, I was looking at, a, you know, that website, pbpstats.com. Mm-hmm. They have a, a stat called, what is it called? Shot quality. <laughs> yeah. Um, that attempts to predict like what a player's effective field goal percentage would be based on the quality of shots that they're taking. So like a wide open dunk is obviously going to have a higher chance of going in than a contested lap. And, uh, and J dub, you know, I mean, he's, he's doing, he's doing good. His shot quality effective field goal percentage predicted would be 54%. He's shooting almost 56% is his actual effective field goal percentage. Yeah. Lou Dort. Oh no. Lou Dort's shot quality, so this is what his effective field goal percentage would be predicted to be Uh based on the quality of shot he takes, 56%, which would be better than J-Dub. His effective field goal percentage is 48%. So eight percentage points below. Does it make you feel better or worse? Uh, I guess guess we're – I mean – well, I thought last night was actually a good example. I mean, Lou had a, a good game overall. He, I think he was 8 for 15, yeah. 3 for 6 from 3. I think he was from the line. So he had a good game. But the the layups that he did miss, I thought were interesting because they were so wide open. They, yeah. were, they were ones where it was just like, I don't even know how he missed it. And I think that's how – that's like the difference in this because he's getting – he can generate really good looks for himself mm-hmm. at the rim. Mm-hmm. Because of like how quick he'll take off to the basket, and then the strength that he has, he creates some really nice looks at the rim. Um, they just have not been going down. Yeah. So on the one hand, you feel good because his shot quality—I mean, it's career high right now. Yeah. Based on this stat, but uh, his—he he just hasn't been able to convert them. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it makes me feel fine about it. He played. I thought he played really well last night. I was really. He did overall. Yeah, I was impressed with Lou's game because they. I mean, you need somebody that's willing to take shots, and you know, Lou is definitely one of those guys. So. Yeah, last night I didn't. I thought the shot distribution was. I I had no complaints. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So J Dub is in the eighty sixth percentile for wings at the rim. Shooting seventy-two percent. That is pretty awesome. That's something. Yeah, I was in a a group chat with uh, some thunder thunder thundery people. I guess would be the right mm, term. That sounds secretive, Andrew. Um, yeah, I'll have to tell you who it was after after the pod. Now that I'm just thinking about it. Um, but it's just. You you kind of have to temper your expectations 
on J Dub because like you, your your mind can just kind of go wild, especially after a game like that. With just like the efficiency and the the you know, if it was all dunks, you'd be like, okay, but it wasn't all dunks. He had some pretty impressive finishes last night, and you know, he's shooting nine shots a game over the last. Let's see, is this no? This is the whole season. Nine shots a game, fifty-one point seven percent from the field. It's like, okay, like, can we get him to fifteen shots? Like, what if he was, what if he was at fifteen shots per game? Because that's where Paolo is. He's shooting almost sixteen shots per game. Like, what would, like, what would he be doing? What would he be doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. How, like how much? And obviously, the three ball is limiting him significantly because he's just not shooting the ball well but if he if his three ball started to go in even at like 33 percent you know not asking for the world here like just 33 percent and he's taking 12 or 13 shots a game i don't know like why couldn't he be averaging 15 points per game like matherin has over the last 15 games you know um do you know what james harden averaged his rookie season Oh boy, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Nine point nine points, Andrew. There's uh, there's definitely some young Harden vibes when it comes to this guy with his pace, with how strong he is on the drive. Uh, some of his passing stuff is really impressive, and. He definitely needs to improve his shot. Like, what did James Harden shoot his rookie season from three? Uh, he shot thirty-seven point five percent. Yeah, like Harden was is always a shooter, and so. But you know what he shot from two his rookie season? No, forty-two percent. J Dub is shooting sixty-one <laughs> percent. So there you go. So point in J Dub's favor. So they're back to being that's, even. That's a big point. In J Dub's favor, that's big time. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get too crazy with with J Dub, but rookies that do this and that are—I mean, he's a role player for this Thunder team. You know, yeah, he's not. Well, he's not some featured piece. Like, he's a role player. And so, you thinking just about Vasini's ranking, like, if Chet is really who we think he is, yeah, we can even take a little bit off. You know, we'll just say, okay, maybe, let's just say he's a top five rookie in the class. If they somehow landed two of the best five rookies in that draft class, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that's, that's the kind of thing that you kind of do all this for in the hopes that you just nail a draft. Yeah. And then that just sets you up for the next decade. Yeah. I mean, if they really got two high-level starters, like long-term high-level starters in one draft, it, Not a lot else matters when you have Shea on the team as well. It, it feels like they did. Like that's, and we need Chet to be healthy. We need him to show that he can stay on the court. And history says that he will. You know, he's not been an injury-prone guy throughout his life. Um, so, and the rehab's going very well. You know, and I guess even if it wasn't, I don't know if we'd hear about it, but what we do here is that it's going very well. And I don't know, man. That what the getting him at twelve is just pretty wild looking back at it. 
and you can find yourself like being like a pretty big homer, you know, looking back at the draft. But there's just a lot of teams that really could have used a guy like J Dub, and I don't know if it's and I think Washington's work. the most obvious one. I mean, the most. Like, how much better do you feel as a Wizards fan if he's next to Bradley Beal? Who would he be? Like, I mean, he, he he'd be he perfect be playing for Beal. them. Oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be actually. He, he would have been minutes. playing when they had all those injuries, <laughs> like when Delon Wright's out. Yeah, he would have been getting minutes. Yeah. yeah, I think you can justify everyone else. Although I do think he would have been good on the Spurs as well. Spurs. He, he's a he's a Spursy player. Yeah, I mean, you can quibble with Dyson Daniels. Like Dyson's younger, like by like almost two years, I think, and he's going to be a good player and he's got good size and length. And I think you're happy with him. I think the Blazers, obviously they could use J-Dub more today. Long but they term, would still probably take Sharp. I don't, yeah, I don't think that they're like, would punt on Sharp to take J-Dub if they could redo it. And then like Ben Matherin, no. Jaden Ivey, he's, he's been I mean, fine. Imagine someone, the way J-Dub was talked about in the draft process, like even considering him at five, the way we were talking about Jaden Ivey. So like now we're at the point where like it would have never even there's There's no chance. Radar. No chance yeah. of it happening. It was, he went higher than people thought he would at 12. Yeah. People were thinking that like the highest he would go would maybe be like 15, 16, or 17. That was kind of the range that he was in. And he had already like vaulted up from, I mean, he was like in the 50s to start the season, if not like undrafted to start the season last year. Where I was like, oh yeah, this guy's kind of cool. Like he's, he's played well and he had a great season and vaulted himself into being a first round pick and then a lottery pick. And I mean, Sam even said it at their first presser was that like Jalen Williams was beating down the door. Like they didn't, they didn't have, he wasn't somebody that they'd watched for years and years. Like Usman Jang is somebody they've watched for years and years and like have had eyes on him for a long, long time. And they wanted, they wanted Jang as, as well as J-Dub, but J-Dub was somebody like late in the process. It was like, man, like this guy's really good. He's really, really good. And, you know, credit to Sam and his guys for wanting to take him there. Because, like, I mean, you wouldn't blame Sam if he took A.J. Griffin or, like, Abaji was a guy that everybody thought was going to go before Jalen Williams, you know. And I think Abaji's, like, a year older than than J-Dub, so it's, like, not, like, a huge gap as far as age goes. Um, but, yeah. Just just an impressive uh, start to his career from, from Jalen Williams. And he's just he, – I think he fits pretty well with the culture, like personality-wise, and then obviously just the way that he plays is the way the Thunder want to play. And that the way the Thunder want to play was just on full display last night. Like yeah, the, the sure. cutting, the movement, like all of that is how they want to play. And if you can figure out a way to incorporate Shea and Chet and whoever they get in this next draft into that style of play, which is what they want, it's like, holy smokes. Like, you've got – I mean, it, it feels like 2014 Spurs, you know, with the way that they play. It's like constant movement, just churn, churn, churn until we get, like, the right kind of shot. Or even, like, 
even within this season, we have not always seen that from the non-Shea lineups. Like, for whatever reason, when yeah. Shea is on the bench but still playing in the game, it's not like those second units have been this you know magical Spurs basketball. And yet we have kind of seen that in the games where Shea has been completely out. Yeah. Like in the, the Memphis game and then in this game yeah. against Boston. It's like they have I don't to know do what that by, is. But they have to like, do it by necessity, just, almost. Like, yeah. Like we have nothing to fall back on. I almost, yeah. For, like for this season, I would be excited if they just figured out how to replicate that in just the non-Shea minutes when Shea is mm-hmm. playing in the game. Because the non-Shea minutes have been a huge negative this season. Yeah. And, you know, we had questions early in the season about, you know, Josh as like the lead ball handler in the second unit. Like it's not looking as good as we want it to look. Right. But then you'll have games like that. Where it's like, oh, so it can work. All these guys can work together. And yes, part of that is them shooting 50% from three. Part of that is they're not being a rim protector on the level of Time Lord. <laughs> but still. Yeah. They can be better than they have been. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, you you wonder how they can continue to incorporate that. Because, yeah, it's not a constant thing obviously if they were playing like that all season they'd have one of the best offenses and they would like clearly be in the playoffs <laughs> you know yeah if they played like that all the time and so it's like getting these guys to play that way on a regular basis and really just making shots too because it's that's the thing with this team and like will continue to be the thing with this team is can they make shots and last night they did you know 23 pointers yep that'll do it like that'll that'll work um but yeah so so since they had a uh a big win you know if you're a thunder fan out there wanting to push for the play in you know yeah. you're probably feeling pretty good I'm good so i want to ask you a question in that vein mm-hmm. comes from the discord mm-hmm. do rag tony asks what players are on your list of pushing the button players to trade for so I would like to switch the question up a little bit and say, like, okay, the Thunder are going to push up the button, okay? It's going to happen. Who is the worst player you would be willing to push the button for? Which means trading a lot of your draft assets and maybe even one or two of the young players. But who is the worst player you would be willing to do it for if they became available? You have a, do you have a list? Uh, Well... Uh, he gave some of his. Okay. You know, for instance, like Desmond Bain. No. You wouldn't push the button for Desmond Bain, Andrew. No. Why not? Um, I'd rather just continue to try to develop and and see what what happens with this team. I don't know. I, I like I like Bain, but yeah, I'm not pressing the button for Desmond Bain. Sorry. Well, you're not going to push it for these other guys. So now I have to start getting better. Uh, uh-huh. Triple J. Uh, I don't love his fit next to Chet. Oh, my gosh, Andrew. You hate pushing buttons. I don't like pushing buttons. All right, let's 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 start at the But top. why would the Grizzlies – I mean, the Grizzlies aren't going to do that anyways. I know. It's not, I'm, it's not this is, this is, I'm, I'm just saying the worst player that if they became available, you would be willing to immediately, like at, at, at a moment's notice, say, yes, I'm all in. We got to put out our best trade offer. Yeah. Okay. So Luca. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you are sometimes willing to press a button. <laughs> yeah. If Luca became available, yeah, got to. 
Uh, Jalen Brown. No. Andrew. No. No, thank you. Okay. You don't want to see this team. You don't want to see this team be good, Andrew. Um. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But no, I'm Jalen Brown. Now, that one I don't understand. Like, what more would you want? Is he's a big wing who can shoot and defend. You probably don't. You don't want him to be your number one guy, but he would not have to be on a team with Shea. Yeah, I just. I mean, personality wise, I I have concerns. Would just be. <sighs> Like the player himself, like sure, like that kind of player, yeah. Um, I just have right, I'm going to find someone worse than Luca I, that you are willing. I just to. have other concerns <laughs> about him. <sighs> All right, I'm going to sort by points. <laughs> That's what I've done too. Uh, I know you're going to say no to Trey Young. You'll say no to yeah. Dame, Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. no. Some of these just like aren't realistic at all. Siakam, you're gonna say no to. Okay, Zion. Uh, I mean, oh my, come on! <laughs> Push the button, Andrew. The injury history is scary with Zion. Like it's if you're hitching your wagon to Zion, you you are feeling a little. I mean, he just keeps getting hurt. And I know, but like th- this most recent one was a hamstring that like happens to any old player it's i mean it's did you like watch the play accident. did you watch the play like he's just running well that's how it happens it just happened i don't know i don't know man. anthony edwards um yeah i would press the button for ant edwards yeah wow we got someone okay let's go he's so We're much on a fun. hot streak now he's so much fun uh and lamello ball lamello <laughs> i don't know that would be kind of a a weird fit but it'd be... it'd be a weird fit he definitely fits like the the way the thunder would like to play because he's such a good passer and he can shoot it from deep and he just kind of does everything yeah um i think i'd say yes to Lamelo, and he's wow. <laughs> okay and he's super young uh-huh. and he's gonna have a controllable contract like that matters too like when you're talking about jalen brown it's like are we really gonna have yeah Jaylen... he's Jaylen He's Brown. gone in a year. Yeah, we're gonna have Jalen Brown in Oklahoma City for the foreseeable future, or like I'm. That's like I wouldn't press the button for a guy that could or would theoretically ask out in a year or two. You know, like I don't want yeah. another Paul George like stopgap, and I don't think the Thunder do either. I mean, why would they want that? I don't know. I don't think they would. Uh, a few more names: Anthony Simons. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, Bam Adebayo. No. Jalen Green. Jalen Green. That's an interesting one, huh? Oh, I don't, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I think I would for Jalen Green. Oh, interesting. So, so it sounds like the younger I go, you, the more willing you're going to be. So like, yeah. What what about Jamar, uh, Jabari Smith Jr.? Javari Smith Jr. Like, what's the? I guess it depends on what the cost is. What if it's like Giddy and two firsts? Ugh, no. Okay. I just, just don't checking. think he's that good. Uh, Paulo is going to be a yes. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Now that I'm now that I'm figuring you out. Yeah. Um, it's last about like, one. It's about controllable contract. It's about like, can 
these guys be here long enough to to like stay and develop with this group you know yeah because they're not ready like this thunder team is not ready to like win big games like they're not ready to go win in the playoffs today right and so adding a guy like Jalen brown like Jalen brown's gonna be pissed in like two months because it's like oh these guys aren't ready to win you know why they're not ready to win because their average age is 22 you can't okay you're just not ready to win yet all right all right stop yelling at me uh franz wagner yes yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah definitely and last one tyrese halliburton yeah yeah okay halliburton would be great so i I figured you out once i asked you enough enough names yeah if we're talking guys that are like on their second deals already the thunder aren't that's it's hitting the button the only way that i would hit the button is if it was for another young guy if you're pressing the button for a player that will propel this team but won't be the best player on the team, then I'm like totally out on that. Like I'm totally totally okay. out. If you could trade for a player that's going to be your best guy, like Luca, or if like yeah. suddenly Giannis became available and he was like, Yeah, I'd be willing to go to Oklahoma City and play there. You'd be like, Yeah, yeah. Jokic. like just do it. Yeah. If Nikola Jokic became available, yes. You just say yes. You know, you do that for a top 10 player. If they're a top 20 player and they're on their second deal, I just think the answer should be no. Um, so, Bam Adebayo, like how, like are we confident Bam Adebayo is going to want to stay in Oklahoma City for the next five to seven years? And And this question or the answers to these questions change in like four years. Like yeah. Once, oh, once this team yeah. is, you know, 25 years old average then they're ready well, to win then you're ready to win basketball games at a high level a then story. then you can go and trade for somebody but like we just you just see part of the reason why things are just so chaotic in atlanta is because they press the button too early for players that were good but propelled them further than they should have been at the time like on danilo gallinari like what in the world are they doing trading for danilo gallinari whenever trey young is 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 still young it's like what are we doing here i mean all they did was push their timeline forward and then it slid back just because the guys they got just couldn't maintain how good they were and they had like this like this false hope for the future of what they were going to be that's what like trading for some of these guys would be because one they could just leave they could ask out and you could get your assets back or whatever, but then you're just like back in the same place. But maybe you did go to the playoffs one year and you lose in round one because you have Jalen Brown. But then he asks out in the summer. Great. Now we're having to rewind again back to where we were, but now there's fan expectations behind it. And that's the problem with Atlanta. Like if Atlanta was this team this year, but they didn't have all the expectations that were placed on them by going to the conference finals a couple of years ago, like that's part of like the dissonance and like this like um, frustration that's occurring in Atlanta is that they have expectations placed behind the organization, and now like we have to figure out like how do we get back there? Like how do how in the world do the Hawks get back to the conference finals in mm-hmm. the next like two or three years even? Yeah, it sounds sounds crazy. It sounds impossible, but like that's what happens when you place expectations by making these early trades for your team 
And like they got lucky that year. And it takes luck sometimes to get to the conference finals, but they got so lucky that year making the conference finals. It took like a, an epic collapse from that Sixers team for them to get there. And they got there. Congratulations, you did it. But now you have expectations. And when you lose in round one, like if the Thunder lost in round one in two years, we'd all be standing up and clapping for them. You know, it'd be like when they lost to the Lakers in round one. It's like, great. Okay, great start. The Hawks lost in round one last year to the Heat, and you're like, oh my gosh. No one, like, no one's clapping. Everybody's booing. It's because of expectations. And so, like, this is why you don't press the freaking button early, because it could give you a false sense of where your team is, and then that can be stripped away from you just because of player movement in the NBA. And this is, I mean, this is why I wouldn't trade for anybody that's not on a rookie scale contract today. So, anyways, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, that was a good answer. I think people needed to hear it, Andrew. Needed for you to explain your thoughts because it it's, might sound a little crazy at first. I'm turning down some good players. Yeah, I think people probably think I'm a little crazy. But I, I think the direction that the Thunder are heading is, a, is the right one. And we have heard nothing from Sam when he talks to the media that he's going to do anything other than a slow rebuild with these guys. And you have to feel really good about that. Just like we talked about, like they have two of the best five guys in this draft at the end of, at the end of this. I mean, that could be enough to propel you in the next three years to where you want to go. And then we're not even talking about the Thunder's own pick this year, the Houston pick the next year. Like we're not even talking about any of those yet. We're just talking about what they have today which is Shea, Giddy, and two of the best five players from the draft in 22. That, I, that could be enough to get you where you want to go. It could, honestly, it could be enough. But then like you, gotta, you keep adding on to it, and then it's like, oh, wow, okay. This could, get, this could get real pretty fast. And then not only do you maybe not want to push the button, you, you may just need to not push the button so you have enough – you know, cash to pay these guys. You know, that's yeah, what the true. Thunder had to do the the first time around. Is like you just, we just need to have the cap space to pay these dudes, and you know, ownership is gonna probably pay the tax again because they're saving a ton, a ton of money. You know, if you don't know that the Thunder are making money during these years where they're bad, like that's this is the easiest time to make money. The Thunder actually, when they were winning, were losing money. And when they've been losing, they've been making money. So like now they're like saving money up so that they can pay the tax again when they get good. Um, but you know you have de- big decisions to make. If some if somehow Usman Jang became a good player, like if that happened, and it was like oh my gosh, Usman Jang is like a a fringe all star, and they're gonna have to pay him. You know, it's like okay, well, good thing we didn't trade for X player making thirty million. Because now we've got to pay our guys, you know. That's just—I mean, that's you just don't know. And this is like this. There's so many reasons why you don't do what Atlanta did. And you know, I could talk for like an hour, probably, just on that alone, on why you don't push the button and like why it's like really wise of Sam and his team to not do that. Um, so uh, let me ask you a semi-related question. Let's say OKC is in the position that. Memphis was 
last year mm-hmm. where they're incredible in the regular season. They win a first round series. You know, Shea goes out in the second round series. Maybe you feel like you could have won that. As Memphis, how looking back and seeing how good KD is now, would you have been more aggressive going after KD in that position? Or would you have still stood pat, which is what they did? I guess it just depends on what the cost was and like who they're asking for. Um, cause I like what Memphis has and like Durant, Durant's age is like the thing that I'm like, I don't know if I would do it just because having a good contending team in Memphis for like a decade, which is definitely possible. Like the value that that adds to your community is like, I don't like, it's ridiculous. Like it just brings so much, like it was, it's what the Thunder had here. The fact yeah. that the Thunder were contenders for a decade, essentially, it changed the city. Like it absolutely changed Oklahoma City and the trajectory of the city forever. And so adding Durant, you win a title, that also changes the trajectory of your city too. Um, but you can, if you can do it without giving up jaw triple j or bane which i don't know that it's really realistic yeah yeah you'd have to give up it probably bane at the moment yeah would i give up bane and picks for durant probably probably so because then like if you have jaw and kd and triple j and steven adams and all i mean holy smokes like you you might especially in this western conference when it's like, who's the who's the team in the West this year? You know, like they can. Well, I, I think about Toronto, who you know all yeah. we heard all summer was how like Scotty Barnes was completely off limits, which maybe that ends up being a, a really good decision. But yeah, it could end up being a great decision. Also, seeing how Toronto's played too, like they're not a Durant away from being a contender. You know, probably not. Like they're they're a Durant plus. Kyrie, this version of Kyrie away from being a contender. And maybe at the time... <laughs> Who knows? They, they maybe could have gotten both maybe you, of them. Maybe if you get both of summer. them, you do that. But that's easy to say today as they're on this like crazy win streak and whatnot. Um, so, but yeah. I, I, I mean, Memphis is all obviously steps ahead of where the Thunder are. And so, I just don't want to hit the fast-forward button on this team. You want to see it marinate. You want to... Also, like, there's this part of me that's like, I want to see Sam's full, like, psycho behavior, you know, tanking plan just fully do its work, you know? Yeah, let it play out. Let it all play out because the Sixers had everything stunted because the league stepped in and then you got Brian Colangelo and it's just like this absolute mess where it's like they had this, like, beautiful process happening and the league put a stop to it and stepped in and ended it all and it ended up just kind of like fumbling and like they're still really good because they have Joel Embiid and that's great but they didn't get to actually do the process like this is the stunted process you know yeah but to be fair you can already see the difference just in draft strategy between the process and Presti yeah it's not apples to apples you're right you're right like Hinky got screwed by the league, but he also screwed himself by just 
not he he did the complete like BPA every single time in the draft, whether it was Nerlens or Embiid, which obviously worked out, or Jaleel Okafor, which was the big one. Um, ben Simmons, like, he dra- he did not draft as well as he needed to. Yeah, to to make that all work. True, and yeah. and the whole point of this is that like you're going to take some swings and you're going to get more swings than you need, so it's okay if you miss every once in a while. But if he just hits on like one more of those picks, mm-hmm. I feel like things he 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 could still be there. Yeah, Yanni in the chat says the Sixers process feels a little bit more of what the Rockets are doing. Yeah, where it's just I would like agree with that. yeah, yeah. I I want to see this all play out because if the Thunder like somehow get crazy lucky with their own pick in this next draft, or with the Rockets pick in the following draft, and they get like the sixth or seventh pick. I don't know. I mean, if the Thunder just got crazy lucky and got the first or second pick in this next draft, like we're not talking about trading anybody or anything. Like you're you're more talking about like okay, who's not going to make it on this roster because someone's not going to make it because they're bringing in more talent as like we yeah. go along. Um, so I don't know. There's just it's just it's exciting to watch them win like they did last night, but you have to let it not get you excited to want to like I think excitement like this can make you think like, oh like we're ready to go like let's go get somebody let's get somebody at the trade deadline let's do this let's do that like let's get going I it to me it's like oh man it just makes me excited that like the process is working like what the Thunder have wanted to do like two years ago I think you think like, I don't I have no clue if this is gonna work <laughs> like, I have no idea if this is going to work for them, you know, they, especially they fall to six in the lottery and you're like, Oh no. And they lose that rockets pick. Cause like you had dreams of like one and five. You're like, Oh man, like that could be it. Like then we're just like, we're, we're on it. Like we're ready to go. And then they get pick six only. You're like, Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> you know, and they get Giddy, and that's great, and he's a good player. He, he's been awesome lately. Giddy's been amazing. Um, but then, like, they do what they did in this last draft, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, I feel – you feel a lot more confident today that it's going to work than you did even a year ago, you know, with – Dude, Giddy's shooting – like, we've been doing the thing where it's, you know, his December stats, and now we kind of just are adding on to his December stats. Yeah, yeah. It's been so good. Yeah, yeah. We're to the point now where you can just take out the first four games of the season and he's at 36%. <laughs> the first four games Seriously, and he's already at that's 36%. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, the so last, last 15 games from three, he's 45% in the last 15 games. And he's, and he's not just like taking wide open jumpers. Like he's taking, you know, shots with a hand in his face. And he's... He's looking like he's never been not confident. Like that's and that's to me like people are like oh I'm so glad he's so confident. He's never not been confident. You go watch go watch his tape from you know pre-draft. It's like that's what sticks out the most is like this guy is the most confident player on the court. Like his confidence just never ever wavers, and it didn't even waver last season. You know when he's shooting 26 percent from three, but. I don't know. I don't know what to believe with the three ball yet. 
this is great. Like, this is incredible. 36% was like, oh my gosh, if he's some, at some point in his career could do that, that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not just the three, it's just his scoring overall. And I was looking at his box scores. Yeah. He scored 20 or more in four of the last five games. Yeah. Which I can, without looking it up, I'm assuming that's the first time he's done that. Another reason not to push the freaking button, like give Giddy room to develop. He's some, I feel like he's, I feel like we're not quite caught up to how good he's been this season. I feel like you have to like read the stats like you just did to like make you feel like, oh, okay, like maybe he is good. Like he, no, he's been very, very good. I mean, you look at just the guys in his class, and I mean, he's been one of the better sophomores this season. Um, in a loaded class. In one of like a a class that might be like an all timer, like a 03 type of class. Yeah, James Anderson in the chat brings up he's currently shooting better from three than Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and Evan Mobley, and is only 0.4% behind Franz. So he's like right there with all these guys. Yeah. And we we think of him as like (laughs) the worst shooter potentially of all those guys, other than maybe Scotty Barnes. Right. And he's right there. Yeah. I mean, he's almost shooting the same percentage from the field as Franz on the season. He's 47% to Franz 48. Uh, Jalen Green's shooting 41% from the field. Scotty Barnes is 44% from the field. Like, it's, he's doing some impressive stuff. And I don't know that he's quite getting the shine that he deserves uh, on the season. But, I mean, he's probably, I mean, this is such a good class. I mean, like Cade obviously is somebody that you kind of have to leave in like the top five of this class just because. But then like Evan Mobley, who like Giddy's scoring more than Evan Mobley, and a lot of that's just a product of like who Evan Mobley's playing with. But like Giddy is like similar rebounding numbers, better scoring numbers than Evan Mobley this year. Yeah. Um, like Barnes, like he's just had a lot better season than Scotty Barnes has this year. Um, he and Mo Wagner, like Wagner's had a better season than Giddy, but you know, it's not impossible to think that Giddy could end up being better than Wagner. And even if he's not like, that's okay. But, you know, getting one of those guys and, you know, not taking Jalen Suggs, for instance, (laughs) which I would have advocated for, you know, at the time, you know, it's, and just watching him play recently with Shea and him using his size and hitting shots from deep and kind of playing a like ultimate connector role has been impressive. So, uh, all right, long pod today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, fun. Game tonight. Another game night. Join us on the Discord. Um, yeah, we, the Discord last night. It was hot. It was hot. There were a lot of people there. And uh, we had a great time because it was an awesome game. And, uh, yeah, come join us. We have, we have, we're almost at 700 Discord members. Hey, let's get to, let's get to 700. Not, let's do it. Not to toot our own horn, but it's more than blue guys who are the people that I, uh, that's where I learned about Discord from listening to the glue guys. Hey, toot, toot. Shout out to them. Um, maybe we can get into a pod war with them okay. where we try to get uh, more Discord members. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, it's been very fun. I've been enjoying watching the games on there. 
and uh, please come join us. Yeah. And by the way, Andrew, if we win tonight, mm-hmm. we will match John Hollinger's preseason prediction win total for the Thunder at 17. Very exciting. <laughs> It's a yearly tradition where the Thunder eclipses John Hollander's prediction for them quite early. It happens almost every year. So great tradition to follow for OKC. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our pod. We'll be back with a, another edition of the Friday podcast, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday.